find the book of Hosea tonight as you're taking out your Bibles. If you would also take out your cell phones and silence those, I would appreciate that. We're going to be in Hosea chapter 10 this evening. And uh, again, for those who have slipped in since we started tonight, we will be starting a study next week of the book of Ruth. Who studied the book of Ruth in here? A lot of people. Good. Okay. We'll we'll be starting that next week. Talking about God's provision. God's provision in the difficult times of life. But uh, find Hosea. Hosea chapter 10 tonight. Uh, We won't be covering uh, very many verses uh, in, in this chapter, in fact, just, chapter, uh, just verse 12, we'll be looking at some other supporting text. But let's look at Hosea 10, 12, and tonight's subject matter, life change. Life change. Hosea is right after Daniel. So go to the major prophets. And then you come to Daniel, and then Hosea, and then the rest of the minor prophets. Everybody got it? Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. I still hear some looking. I'm waiting because since I'm just reading the one verse, I'll be done reading it if, if, uh, if there's still some searching. Notice what he says here. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. The world still feels, in some pockets anyway, the results or sees some of the results of the great Welch revival, which fanned across the tiny little country of Wales at the beginning of the 20th century. But probably don't, many don't remember how it began. Uh, the young people at a church in a small town in Wales were meeting when a, ten, a timid young Welch girl stood up and very nervously and with broken voice said, Oh, how I love Jesus. And she sat down. And that started something in that group of young people that night that just kept growing and growing and growing. Spiritual fire came down on that uh, meeting. And it uh, spread throughout that whole church, then through the town, And a revival literally jumped continents. Do you love Jesus? I think you do. Are there sins in your heart, though, that need to be addressed? You know, for renewal and revival to take place in your heart and in my heart, there's got to be change, doesn't there? There's got to be change. We had uh, Henry Blackaby's son, Richard, speak here Monday night. Some of you heard him. You remember that study, Experiencing God. And how we learned in that study, Experiencing God. You can't 
keep going the way you are and experience God. Uh, when we encounter God, it always calls for some type of adjustment in our life, right? It does. It always calls for some type of adjustment in our life. That's true, isn't it? Some sin to address. If God lays on your heart some relationship you need to get right, you've got, you've got to make the adjustment going to that person. It, some type of adjustment. Read those early chapters in the book of Revelation and you see the Lord's message to each one of those churches. Each one of those churches had to make some type of change. Well, two of them were commended. And, and, and the Lord didn't have a change for them to make. But, but the other five did. There was some adjustment they were called upon to make. And that's what God is calling on his people here to do. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, does, does anybody know anything about the background of the book of Hosea? Do you remember the context? Anybody? What's the context? I mean, I know because we went to the Hosea Bible study. That's right. So, hey, they're going to... Come on, I'm going to sit down now. They're going to come teach that. <laughs> Seriously, y'all... Y'all, I forgot about that. Y'all can give a lot of input tonight, right? Connie's looking over at you like, I'm going to get you, Kathy. That's right. And why was he to marry a prostitute? Exactly, because his relationship with Gomer, his wife, would be a living example of the way Israel was unfaithful to God and had sought other lovers. Called what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep, that's right. A homer for Gomer. <laughs> uh, you know, you. Fortunately, we don't know of too many young women today named Gomer, do we? <laughs> That's not in the baby books for girls, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, the background, you, you remember what had happened in the northern kingdom. Go all the way back to the split of the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. If you went through our Wednesday night series on First and Second Kings, you know the background well. Remember what happened when... Solomon died and his son Rehoboam came to the throne. There were the uh, 
the, the people that came to Rehoboam and said, your dad Solomon was tough on us. He taxed us and, I, I mean, it, his government was kind of oppressive. Lighten up on us a little bit and we will be your faithful subjects from here on out. And Rehoboam said, let me think about that. And he went to the older advisors that he had. And they said, Rehoboam, the people are right. Your, your dad was tough on them, pretty oppressive. Lighten up on them. And you lighten up on them and, and they will be your faithful subjects. Uh, they will be great citizens. You need to listen to them. Then he decided he was going to go to his younger advisors. And they said, no, 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 no. You come back and tell them that, you know, compared to you, your, your dad's oppression of them was just like a little, little finger down on them. And you're really going to put your weight, you're going to smash them. If they think they had it tough under Solomon, your dad, they ain't seen nothing yet. Sadly, Rehoboam went with that advice, went back to the people. And, and, and so Jeroboam, remember, took 10 of the 12 tribes, split off. And that's when Israel became divided. Israel became the northern kingdom, 10 tribes. Judah was the southern kingdom of the two tribes. And, and the, the northern tribes, because Jeroboam was scared that they would start migrating back down to Jerusalem... And, and going to worship there at the temple, fairly new temple, that if they started migrating back down to the temple, then their hearts would gravitate back down that direction and Jeroboam would lose the northern kingdom. And so he set up golden calves, idols, in two different places. One up in Dan, the northern part, of the northern kingdom and then the southern altar that he set up about 11 miles north of Jerusalem so down south in the northern kingdom and he led the people into idolatry and and then they also grew to love Baalism Baalism was the the sex fertility cult of the pagan Canaanites. And Israel loved the altars of Baal. And so such idolatry that's behind the book of Hosea that, that God is calling them to repent of. They've been spiritually idolatrous and they've been unfaithful. Now, outward, they were prosperous. They looked great. But inwardly, God didn't like what he saw. Well, the good news was that they didn't have to stay where they were. God was inviting them to change. Well, today, if there's sin in your heart or if you feel distant from God, you don't have to remain there. You can change. I want you to see, first of all, that there is a condition to be feared. There is a condition to be feared. What is that condition? Fallow ground. 
A heart that is not tender towards God and the things of God is like fallow ground. Now the image being used here is right off of the farm. Life is like soil. Jesus used that same analogy, the parable of the soils. The seed, the word of God that falls on the hard path... then the shallow soil, then the soil with lots of weeds and thorns in it, then the good soil. So Jesus, Jesus compared the human heart to soil too. Fallow ground is neglected ground. It is unprepared ground. It is ground with weeds in it. I've got a garden spot in my backyard. It's fallow ground now. I didn't have a garden last year. David Fink came and plowed it up for me, but then I didn't do anything with it. And so it just kind of hardened, and weeds and everything else has grown up in it, and it's just laying there dormant. It's, it's neglected ground. And the Lord is telling them here the human heart can be that way, like fallow ground. And it's a condition to be feared. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 16, God said, I will pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness whereby they have forsaken me and have offered sacrifices to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. And then in chapter 2 of Jeremiah, it says, Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt. I brought you into the fertile land to eat its fruit and its good things. But you came and defiled my land, and my inheritance you made an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? The very ones who should have turned the people's hearts back to God, they didn't. Those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that did not profit. Therefore I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your son's sons I will contend for cross to the coastlands of Katim. And see and send to Kedar and observe closely and see if there has been such a thing as this. Has a nation changed gods when they were no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Folks, again, that was their condition. That was their condition. They had neglected their walk with God. They ended up turning away from it. Their hearts were hard toward God, and they had turned to idols There are no gods. And they had become like those idols. Fallow ground. So again, God is comparing their hearts and life to fallow ground. They had neglected God. 
An uncultivated and neglected spiritual life is dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, Jesus spoke on one occasion about a man who swept his, his house clean. But then he didn't fill it with anything. You remember that story? And, and how the, the unclean devil went out and found, what, seven other devils worse than him? Got them together along with him, went back and found the house swept clean but empty. And they all moved in again. And the end, end condition of that home was worse than the beginning. Now you have to understand the, the historical context, what Jesus was getting at. After the exile, they came back, rebuilt the land... And they swept the land clean of idolatry. Idolatry after the exile wasn't an issue again. But they left the house empty. So that time you come to the first century in the time of Jesus, the house was swept clean. But again, their hearts were empty. Their hearts were just a cold ritual. That's all it was. And so in some ways, they had ended up even worse, worse than before. And so again, an uncultivated and neglected spiritual life is is dangerous. Hebrews 2 says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we don't drift from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He's comparing the old covenant with the new and how much more privilege we have now. If they were judged in the old covenant for neglect and disobedience, how much more will we be judged? Folks, neglect points out that you don't have to be rebellious towards God in order to be disobedient. All you have to do is do nothing. Just do nothing. What happens with fallow ground? What happens with dormant soil? It it becomes hardened, right? More so all the time. And weeds take over and more weeds. A picture of the human heart. What happens? They had not prepared. And they were like soil that was full of weeds. You know, we're bad mathematicians, aren't we? Jesus told us in Matthew 6, what are we to seek first? We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. So Jesus said earlier on in that passage, don't worry about the things of your everyday life, your food and clothing and all that. Because if God's given you life, he's going to give you the necessities of life. He's going to take care of the life he created and that frees you up and me up to seek first the kingdom of God knowing that he'll take care of everything else. But what do we end up doing? We end up doing just the opposite. We seek the things of the world and then we worry about those things that we seek. We're anxious about life. We, we give so much to the material thinking somehow or another that's going to bring joy. 
After she built her 14,000 square foot plush home on the beach of Malibu, singer and actor, actress Cher commented on her life. She said, I, I'm growing older. I, I hate my, she, at, the, at the time she was in her 50s, she said, I hate my 50s. You've been there, done that. You bought the poster, you've been the poster. And then you have to figure new creative ways to stay vital and interesting and have new dreams. Maybe next time I'll come back as a cowboy. Next time I'll do better. Well, I got news for Cher. There is no next time. Hebrews 9 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We put so much focus on the material that's temporal. And we're negligent of that part. And we're negligent of that part that will live forever. The Spirit. Now folks, that's something to fear that that can be our condition. Fear that you will go through life and not develop intimacy, greater intimacy with God. Fear that you will be fallow ground. It's a condition to fear. Fear that you'll die before you really discover abundant life. Well, after seeing a condition to be feared, I want you to see, secondly, a command. There's a command to be followed. What is the command? Break up the fallow ground. Begin preparing your heart. Renewal can come in your life. But you've got to prepare. What should James 4 say? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You've got to meditate on the word. You've got to, you've got to deal with whatever sin is in your heart that, that is costing you greater intimacy with God. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal in your life whatever it is that he's not pleased with. You, you've got to pray fervently to the Lord. You've got to share with others what he's doing in your life. You've got to break up the fallow ground. Has God been dealing with you about some area of your life? Has he been convicting you about anything? How about your thought life? How about your attitude? How about your tongue? How about any actions? Has God been speaking to you about anything? Is there a stumbling block in your life? Is there anything in your life that unless you deal with it, it's going to prevent you from experiencing a spiritual renewal with God? What's holding you back? Are you willing to pay the price of dealing with that? That's what plowing and breaking up the fallow ground is all about. Folks, there's a great need for Christians today to get still before God. To seek the Lord. We need to look at our lives and we need to guard our hearts because as Jesus said in uh, Mark chapter 7, it's out of the heart that come the issues of life. Examine your heart. 
What fallow ground is there that needs broken up? But then after breaking up the fallow ground, what's he say do next? Sow righteousness. You break up the soil, then you got to plant. To get a crop, you gotta, you got to plant seed in. And again, the Bible points out the seed that, that the Scripture is talking about is the Word of God. You, you break up the fallow ground, you, you deal with spiritual neglect and disobedience, and then you fill your life, your heart, and your mind with the Word of God. Plant the seed. Paul described this in Romans 2 as being... Uh, Romans 12, 2 is being renewed in our thinking. Folks, it matters what you plant. It matters what you're filling your life up with. Paul in Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows. This will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. In Romans 8, Paul says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Then he goes on to say here, to seek the Lord. That's part of the command to obey. Seek the Lord. What had they done in the northern kingdom? They had, they had sought after foreign kings and formed alliances with foreign kings thinking that safety and deliverance was going to come from those. And then they had sought after idols also. It was time that they put away all of those false alliances and seek the Lord. It's interesting what the prophet Isaiah says about this. Seek the Lord, he adds a note of urgency. And what's that note of urgency? While he may be found. What's the implication? You may not always find him. If, if God's dealing with you now, now's what you have. You may not always find him. He may not always speak to your heart. He may not always be dealing with you the way he may be dealing with you now. In fact, if you don't listen, what's going to happen? The heart's going to grow harder setting up the growing possibility that you won't hear him later. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. People today think they have time, and, and, they, and they don't. What were you saying a moment ago, Marianne? He thought there was going to be time. To get back in church and get closer to God. His time ran out. 
What we're being invited to do in, in this verse of chapter 10 is to take an honest look at our lives. Where are we? Is our heart callous towards God? Are our affections more on the things of the flesh and the things of this life? Is there spiritual neglect? If there is any of that, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And notice here that he says, seek God and keep on seeking God until he comes and rains righteousness on you. Seek him and keep on seeking him until he comes and blows winds of renewal in your life. I want to I ask you tonight to examine your own heart. Is it fallow? Is it like fallow ground? Is it neglected? Is it without fruit? Do you need to break up the fallow ground of your heart? Do you, need to, do you need to cultivate your heart towards the things of God? Don't allow your heart to just sit dormant. That's giving the devil an opportunity. And, and, and after breaking up your heart and preparing your heart for the things of God, you need to sow the right kind of seeds in your heart. Give your heart to God's Word. Give your life to the things of God. Seek the Lord. Abide in Christ. And keep on doing it. 